Well, good morning, New Hope. It is good to see you. If you'd like to take out your outlines, we're in the last in the series on the wonder of mercy. And as we come to this end, this last session, session number seven, I kind of have a feeling in my heart that we're really only scratching just the surface of this enormous subject of God's mercy. And we've covered a few ways how God wants to show his mercy and has shown his mercy in your life. You see, I want to start off by just reviewing a couple of things. You see, God has five clear purposes for your life, five of them. The first one, and the most important, if you get nothing else done, get this done. God wants you to know him and to love him. That is the purpose of worship, to know him and to express our love for him. That's one of the key purposes of our lives. Secondly, to belong to his family. God didn't have a bunch of orphans. He is our father and he wants us to be part of his inclusive family. But once you come into the family, he doesn't want you to sit and stagnate. He wants you, the third purpose, to grow. This is the purpose of discipleship. And then not only to grow, you don't just want to go growing, you want to grow for a purpose and to grow to serve him. Maturity is for ministry. So God wants us to serve him and other people, not just to be self-centered, which is so easy to do these days. And then finally, the fifth purpose that God has for your life is to share good news the good news with other people. And that is your mission and my mission. Last week we looked at that. Jesus said, I have come to seek, look for, and save the lost. And he does that by sharing the gospel. That is the central core of Christianity. Now, how does that relate? Well, actually, mercy relates to each of these five purposes. Notice, the Bible tells us that when you show mercy to other people, it is an act of worship because it shows that you love God. When you're being merciful, you're being like your heavenly Father. You're becoming like Jesus. Jesus was merciful. Secondly, when you show mercy to other people, it builds fellowship. It brings people together. It doesn't divide when you show mercy. Also, when you show mercy, you're becoming more like Christ and you're growing spiritually. When you show mercy to other people, it's a ministry. The Bible says that when you show mercy, it's also a form of your mission of sharing the good news. And this is what I want to get to. One of the ways that you fulfill your role as an agent, as an ambassador for Christ in this world is by showing mercy to other people. That is one of the ways you show your witness. And today's message is being God's agent of mercy in the world. The Bible says in the first verse on your outline in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that you will be my witnesses. Now my witness tells what, that God has done in my life. And as the world, I don't know whether you real, I've noticed recently, the world is becoming a meaner place. Anybody else notice that? People are mean. They're rude. Unkind. There's a lot of rudeness out there. Now, a great witness for Jesus is when you show mercy in the face of that rudeness, in the face of that unkindness. 
It shows that you are very different because the world, when you're rude, your natural person wants to be what? Rude back, right? Huh? Yeah, a lot of honest heads nodding there, like mine. But let's take a look at how Jesus is very different to the world and how he expects us to be. Luke chapter 6, verse 36, he says this, Jesus speaking, Show mercy to others, just as your Father shows mercy to you. In other words, he says, freely you have been given mercy, freely give mercy. Don't say, oh, thank you, God, and up yours. Because that's what a lot of people do, straight to the bottom line. Today, I want to look at two questions. How to show mercy. That's the first question. How do I show mercy? Very practically. And secondly, where can you show mercy? How can I be more merciful? Firstly, you can start by looking and listening for people's needs. Now, tomorrow morning, you're going to walk, actually, that's no, not true, on Tuesday morning, because we have a public holiday tomorrow. And everybody said, Amen. <laughs> on Tuesday morning, nevertheless, you're going to go back to that frenetic schmuzzle we often call work, where there are many demands placed on us, sometimes unreasonably. But there'll be people there if you stop and listen. who are hurting, whose lives are chaotic, shambolic. You'll even hear that at the sides of the court in a netball game, if you listen intently enough. Maybe it's your neighbour who's having a major problem in their marriage. People are hurting all around you. People in your gym class. People that you do business with. Yeah, some of your clients. They are hurting. It is not all beer and skittles, as they say, in colloquial terms. Friends, mercy begins by being aware, by paying attention. It's very easy to miss. And if you care with those people on the soccer ground, those other parents, you'll notice. Notice this in Philippians 2, verse 4. Look out. Look out for one another's interests, not just your own. That is a very countercultural statement, which is typical of the gospel. The number one destroyer, friends, of mercy is busyness. Busyness. Mercy begins by looking and listening. Attention is an act of love and it requires time. In Mark chapter 10, verse 20, notice this very simple phrase Jesus looked at him and loved him. If you look, if you love people, you will look at them. You will notice them. You won't be tearing by at max 66, not even knowing, blowing by unaffected. So 
Mercy starts by listening and looking for people's needs around you at work. Yes, even your customers. And you need to start practicing that this week if you want to be like Jesus and live a lifestyle of mercy, to be like your master. Stop, look, and listen. Number two, this is a big one particularly for certain personality types. Don't be offended by their sins. Don't be offended by their sins. Folks, grace is messy. It is unconditional love. Now Jesus, our example, our master, he hung out with sinful people. Let me just remind you of a few of them. Jesus hung out with the prostitutes in Papatawitawi. He was there. Jesus hung out with the drunkards, those falling out of the pubs and in the pubs. He would have hung out with my dad. He owned almost the prospect of Harrick, the amount of money he spent there. Jesus hung out with corrupt business people. I want to say that again, corrupt business people. And if you are going to minister the grace of Jesus to these people, you cannot be offended by them. Let me say it in a sentence. You cannot look out for people if you're looking down on them. You cannot look out for people if you're looking down on them. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, actually, you can't look down on anybody. Jude 1 reminds us of this. First of all, in terms of the mercy, it says, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. These could be your grandchildren or your children who once had a faith and you're getting really irritated. The Bible says show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. And by the way, doubt, that's a whole other subject we can look at some other time. But God can, God can use even doubt in their lives. He says, show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Still, there are others you need to show mercy. But be careful that you aren't contaminated by their sins. Jesus was in the world, but not of it. He hung out with those who the Pharisees held their nose at. I'd never be with those guys. I could be polluted. Jesus wasn't. But the scriptures are careful there. Be merciful when you're with them, but be careful you are not contaminated with their sins or by their sins. And in all my years of being a Christian, I can just tell you I have never ever come across a verse where Jesus says, you do not have to love that type. That includes people who don't share my view or your view of sexuality or gender identity. 1 Peter 4.8, 
More importantly, love each other deeply. Love has a way of not looking at others' sins. See, the Pharisees and the legalists tend to magnify other people's sins and minimize their own ones. But love has a way of not looking at other people's sins. Now, I want to summarize principle one and principle two. The Bible says we are to look out for other people's interests, but not look at their past sins. Don't dwell on that. Ephesians 4.2 says this, be patient. Boy, that's a big word. Some of you may want to circle that word. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults. And you know what? All of us have faults. But sometimes we get irritated that other people have faults. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Stop smiling and poking each other. Because of your love. The only reason why I can look past your faults is because of love. No love, I'm pecking on your faults all the time. I want to give you a principle here. Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. Don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they actually are. Now I found that there were many things in my life I couldn't change until I had Christ in my life. Many things I wanted to change, but they didn't change until I had Christ in my life. Now, Romans says the law is powerless to change my life. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. It's only grace that changes lives. Only mercy that can literally change people's lives. The law has never changed anybody. You see, we could make a law today and decide amongst us that it's against the law or will outlaw bigotry. Now, my question to you is simply this. Is that simple law going to change a bigot into a lover? No. It needs a change of the heart, a change on the inside first. Only Jesus can turn a bigot into a lover. So we don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are a believer. And we can't be offended by other people's sins if we're going to show mercy. See, if you're going to win them to Christ, you have to love them where they are on the campus. good example of this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And we'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 9. That night, Matthew invited Jesus to dinner with his fellow tax collectors plural, and many other notorious sinners. It's funny, it slightly amuses me that tax collectors are a completely different breed, but they're still in the same bag as notorious sinners. The Pharisees were indignant. Why does your teacher eat with such scum, they asked. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, he basically said, oi, you lot. Stop pointing the finger. Get your Bible out that you think you know and go back and read the scripture. Let me continue. Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. He picked one because of their attitude, looking down their nose at other people's sins. I want you to be merciful, not to offer sacrifices. For I've come to invite. It's an invitation, friends. Sinners to me, 
not those who think they're righteous or they've got it all together. The religious Pharisees, the legalists, couldn't understand at all why Jesus was cozying up to the crooks, what they thought were crooks, and the riffraff. And some of them flat out were crooks. Jesus, though, wasn't looking for the Pharisees' approval. He was going to where the needs of the people were, and he certainly wasn't offended by their sins. Folks, this is my point. You cannot help somebody you're offended by. You've got to show them mercy like Jesus did, like our master. Third, we need to choose our words very carefully. Words. If you are going to be an agent of mercy in your world next week, this week, at work, with your neighbours, you have to choose your words carefully. What I mean by that is you can't be sarcastic and mean to people and put them down. Mercy puts a monitor on my mouth. It checks it first. Colossians 4, 6, it says this. When you talk, which you and I will both do this week, you should always be kind and pleasant so that you'll be able to answer everyone in the way that you should. Be kind and pleasant. Remember that little axiom? I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. And if I'm trying to influence people at work, I can't be abrasive. If I'm trying to influence my neighbor, I can't be having a spat about something and then expect him to be warm to Jesus. Ephesians 4.29 on the screen says, Do not say harmful things, but say what people need. Words that will help others become stronger, not tear them down. Then, if you do that, he's saying, what you say will do good to those who listen to you. Think about your clients. Think about your work colleagues. Now, question, how do I break this pattern that I've learned earlier in my life with my words when I'm often sarcastic or I'm often angry or I'm often negative or I'm often judgmental? How do I break that pattern? Because I think I've recognized something in here which has echoes of the way maybe I behave. Maybe you're thinking that. The key here is to ask God for wisdom to help you. Wisdom especially to be patient. The wiser you are, the more patient you are. I've never seen a wise person who's impatient. If they do, it never lasts. James 3.17 says, The wisdom that comes from heaven is firstly pure, peace-loving, not wanting a fight all the time, gentle at all times, not angry, and, and willing to yield to others. Wisdom is full of mercy. It's full of mercy. Full of mercy. Fourth, living this life. How do I show this this week? Well, I emphasize compassion for people over petty rules. I emphasize compassion for people over petty, man-made, you could put in brackets, rules. Now, in God's book, rules are not as important as compassion in relationships. And you, in God's book, 
he wants us to value saving people over keeping petty rules. And Jesus models this actually in Matthew chapter 12, verse 1. And the discussion was going on, and it was a, there was a discussion going on about religious rules. And the Pharisees, as usual, had their ties in a twist about Jesus picking grain this time in a field on the Sabbath and eating it. That was considered work in the traditions of that day because Shabbat, which is kind of like their Sabbath, started at Friday, a couple of minutes before sundown, and didn't finish until Saturday when the first three stars came out. And they weren't supposed to do anything. They were ridiculous. But Jesus defends his disciple eating grain on the Sabbath. And Jesus often made, um, defended his own disciples for breaking some of those rules, especially even when he healed on the Sabbath. Another example, this is a classic where Jesus says this to the legalists, to the judgmental Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. You probably need to look at this verse. It says, you Pharisees are careful to tithe 10% of every part of your income, but then you ignore other more important matters of God's law. What could be more important than that? Well, he tells you, number one, justice, being fair to people, not ripping people off, doing what you say, having integrity. Second, showing mercy, treating people with mercy. That is more important in Jesus' eyes, having faith. And then he says, yes, you should tithe, but... You also shouldn't neglect, notice these next three words, the more important things. So Jesus didn't get along with the Pharisees, and they did not like him one iota. Because Jesus was full of grace and mercy, and they were full of legalism and judgmentalism and rules. Jesus was in for the relationship. Now, by the way, if this is a bit of trivia... If anybody asks you, did Jesus ever commend the Pharisees for anything? This is the only place in the entirety of Scripture where he commends them for anything. He said, you guys got one thing right. You, You do tithe. But, he says, notice this next part. You cannot use it as an excuse to disobey the weightier matters, some versions say. Now I want to answer the second question and look at this one. I want to look at practical applications. Five ways that you can be an agent of mercy this week. Five places to be an agent. Five examples. Number one, when you go to work on Tuesday, look for people in a crisis and listen to them. Now, sometimes they may not broadcast that, but look at their faces. Look at their body language. Look, at their, look for their attitudes. The Bible says in Galatians 6 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. What's a burden? Well, a burden could be a physical burden, it could be a financial burden, a relational burden, a spiritual failure, or in this case, it could be a temptation. Often, burdens are an emotional stress. And he says, carry each other's burdens. And one of the ways that you can do that is by listening to the person who's going through that difficult circumstance. When you listen to somebody that's going through a crisis, you are helping them carry that burden. Remember the old adage, a burden shared is a burden halved. 
He says, in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, here's a second way to be an agent of mercy. Look for people who are grieving and comfort them. Look for people who are grieving and comfort them. Most days of your life, somebody around you is going through a loss. It could be that lady in the checkout. It could be the person in the gas station. And there is no loss without grief and no loss without pain. And when that happens, God wants you to be an agent of mercy. Now the problem, and this is where the rubber meets the road in your life and my life, is it's very easy in our lives in East Auckland to be too busy to notice people who are grieving. We're too busy focused on the results, getting the job out the door, the sales target met, getting a job, whatever it may be. Question, do you know who is grieving in your office? Some of you have got small offices. Some of you have got large ones, but even so. Do you know enough about them to know what's happening, the losses, the hits they are taking or just have taken in their life? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians 1. God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others who are in trouble with the same comfort that we ourselves have received from God. The third way God wants you to be an agent of mercy this week is to look for people who are needing friends and show them some hospitality. These are the people who aren't the life of the party. Often those people, they can keep themselves busy. But it's those who aren't the life of the party, those who are kind of a little awkward or uncomfortable in social settings. Friends, everybody needs friends in this life. And God didn't ever design us to be alone and to battle with that constant feeling, that gnawing sense of loneliness. Now, one of the ways that you can be an agent of mercy this week is looking for people at the squash club or the golf club who you can take for a cup of coffee and just show them a plain bit of simple old-fashioned hospitality. Now the Bible says this in Romans 12, 13 and that could be if you're lucky enough to have an hour for lunch maybe you can utilize that opportunity. If you don't have an hour for lunch and half an hour and it's getting too tight maybe it's something to do out of work hours. The Bible says in Romans 12, 13, look for opportunities to be hospitable, to show some friendship. And hospitality is a lost art in our culture. Why is that? Well, some blame the traffic. Well, stay back a little bit. Have the coffee then or whatever. It's too busy. Well, can I, dare I say this? We're too self-centered. We don't know how to slow down because I'm always on a rush to the next waypoint, the next to-do thing I need to check off. We don't know how to slow down and be hospitable with the others for just a moment because you cannot show care without investing time. 
And by the way, I'm not talking here about your personal friends. Just to be clear, I'm talking about those who are left out. And you know the ones, the ones that never get asked for a coffee. The people that you would probably think last to take out. Those are the ones. People are hungry for friendship. And the Bible encourages us practical application. We call in Matthew 25, there's a whole chapter of that, uh, a whole section of that chapter, where one of the things that's said is, I was alone and you welcomed me and showed me hospitality. Maybe that's something that you can do this week as a result of this message. You brought me in, you welcomed me. Here's a question. This is a quick audit, quick warrant to fitness. When was the last time that you took somebody out for coffee that wasn't a reasonably close friend? See, it's very easy to get wrapped up in our own world and our own needs. Jesus went to that party. The fourth way God wants you to be an agent of mercy this week is look for people who need a second chance. They're all over. Everybody's had failures. Everybody's stumbled. Everybody's sinned. Some folks have failed in the business and they feel terrible. Terrible. It's not uncommon for them to be depressed and feel a sense of great despair. And they think, how can I ever recover from this? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, 7, when people sin, you should forgive them and comfort them so they won't give up in despair. There's many applications to that verse. But the point is that all of us have been in that place where we need a second chance. One more. This one is going to be the hardest. So I'm just warning you. So strap your safety belt on here before we flick this next slide over. This is going to be the hardest. Are you ready? If you want to be an agent of mercy, look for people at work who are rude and be kind to them. I told you that was going to be hard. Jesus never backs away from the hard stuff. He doesn't say things that are politically correct. Have you noticed that? Here's a very non-politically correct statement taken straight from the scripture. 1 Peter 3, 9. Don't repay evil for evil. Let me just suggest that you circle that. Don't repay evil for evil. You're not allowed to do that stuff if you call yourself a Christian. If you don't call yourself a Christian, fine. That's acceptable. But if you are a Christian, don't repay evil for evil. That is one of the markers of Jesus. Remember him on the way to the cross. Look at the second part of the verse. Never retaliate when people insult you. Been there at work? Oh yeah, I have. Or say unkind things about you. What do you want to do? Boy, you want to unload, right? Both barrels? Never retaliate when people insult you or say unkind things about you. This is character-forming stuff empowered by the Spirit only. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Be kind to them. Don't pull them down behind their backs. 
This is what God wants you to do. Anybody? Oh, I have no idea what God wants me to do. Right there, in black and white, whichever version you've got, go read that scripture. That is clearly God's will, not our flesh's will. This is character formation, the formation of the character of Christ and stopping the perpetuation of the flesh. It's actually God's will that you inherit the divine nature and you escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires like this to get even. This is what God wants you to do and he will bless you for it. So if you want God's blessing in your life, you need to learn how to be kind to rude people and not be rude back to them. One of the great skills you can learn is to how to let bricks go clean over your shoulder and don't be easily offended. Because the Spirit of God inside you gives you stability and self-control. God chose you right where you are, in your office, at work, in your business. He chose you to show what a difference true faith makes in a real world. It will show up in our behavior by living these truths we've just looked at. And Jesus changes our hearts and gives us a desire to want to live lives as agents of mercy. Now, you and I can do all of these five things. I thought carefully about each of those five this week. And God will bless you as you act like Christ. We sing many songs, I, I want to be more like you. This is a very practical way of being like Christ. But it will cost you. It will cost you. One of the things that's going to cost you is time. And my question to you is, are you willing? My challenge. Are you willing? Will you use some of your time that you would normally spend on me, myself, I, and my family? And take some of that time and deliberately spend it on other people. Because one day, God will reward you for your acts of mercy. Hebrews 10, 16, last verse. I think. God will not forget the work that you've done and the love that you've shown him by caring for and helping other people. But if we are so busy, we're, care, uh, we're so much caring about ourselves and just our family, which is important because you have to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. But if we're not careful, we get stuck in our own family, which becomes counterproductive to the gospel. In fact, in some cases, Jesus said, you may need to leave your family, and some do. And they leave land and houses and businesses for my name's sake. Is it too much to leave your family to take somebody else out for a cup of coffee or a drink? For his sake. Let's pray that we will be agents of mercy this week. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray?
Would you say, dear God, would you help me to start looking around me and listening for people's needs? Father, I'm sorry that I've been way, way too busy and preoccupied with my own deal. I want to be more aware so that I can care about these people that you have come to seek and save. Would you help me to see the needs of the people around me in my work with new eyes? Because, Lord, you know what's going on, and you've put me there for a reason, and it's not just to collect a salary. Those people at work, those kids at school, Lord, And yeah, they're my neighbours too. And Lord, when I come upon people that you love, help me not to be offended if I learn something of some sin in their life. Help me to remember that love has a way of not looking out at other sins and looking down on them, but being patient and making allowances for faults because of love. Help me not to expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. And then, Lord, help me to choose my words very carefully. Would you, Holy Spirit, put a muzzle on my mouth that I may not say things that are biting and sharp? Help me not to say unkind things, but I need to say th things that will build up people. Then, Lord, help me to value serving and saving people over keeping petty man-made rules to do what matters most because Lord ultimately I want to see people brought into your kingdom and Father again I want to be an agent of mercy this week like Jesus help me to look for people in a crisis and to listen to them and to carry their burden and to fulfill the law of Christ thank you Lord that you so freely did that for me I want to do that for others and Lord, again, give me a sensitive heart to see those who are grieving and to comfort them with the comfort that you have given me. Because Lord, I realize there's nothing good in me apart from you. You're the joy of my life. And Lord, help me to look for people who need friends, those who are sidelined by the popular group, those who are shy and on the edges and socially awkward, and nobody pays attention to them at the office. Lord, help me to seek them out and just give them some time and show them some hospitality to be kind and loving and to welcome them and to include them in my circle. Lord, help me to find those who are going through a tough time or they've gone through a failure or some sort of scandal, a problem. And, and Lord, people that need a second chance and that I may point them to you the God of the second chance. Help me to offer them mercy and to be in their corner when everybody else walks out. Holy Spirit, help me walk in. And Lord, help me even with people who are rude this week, especially those guys and gals, not to be rude back. But Holy Spirit, remind me of your word and your will that you want me to be kind to them. That your kindness and mercy might break through and that ultimately they may find Jesus Christ. I ask you to make me an agent of mercy and I humbly pray this in the powerful and the matchless name 
of our amazing Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody who wanted that said, Amen.